0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, it is time to, uh, well, wrap up the week and talk about what's gone on. We do have two great guests today. Uh, We will talk in a few moments with uh, Batya Ungar Sargon, who wrote a book called Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy in Counterbooks. She's really good and interesting, and she'll talk with us about what she's seeing with the news, you know, there was a story at the Washington Post. They're fighting amongst themselves, reporters um retweeting something that was a joke and uh, uh, other reporters saying it was offensive and it's uh, cannibalizing each other. It's wild to watch, but that's internal woke stuff. I'm talking when we talk with uh, Abacha about the broad um, undermining of American life with the media. So we'll talk with her and also Alex Newman will join us. Alex Newman, who is, of course, a great author, a great writer. He's a really good writer. I shouldn't say great. It's a little bit throw the term around. He's a really good writer and he's very thoughtful. And he's been consistently, how to say, edgy. He's been on the edge of sort of issues, seeing things ahead of other people, including uh, the uh, f- uh, f- somewhat famous, I like to think it's famous more and more, a book called um, The Crimes of the Educators. And uh, he and uh, the late uh, uh, Max Blumenfeld wrote that. So we'll talk about Alex Newman. He's running for state rep in Florida. So that's pretty neat. Sorry. All right. What you need to know about the kangaroo court show trials. Of Nancy Pelosi, the kangaroo Court of Nancy Pelosi, which convened uh, on t- Thursday night and uh, test drove a bunch of their themes, and here's a few things that you need to know. I'll make up to two i 'm going to go with two today a uh, two things two, two what you need to know, two that will focus your uh, mind on what they were doing first. You know, it used to be that you would say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? A picture is worth a thousand words. That's the famous phrase. And then as uh, as technology moved along, you'd say, there's nothing like video having video of, of events that took place, whether it's the first first step on the moon. Remember, that was an image that was captured iconically. Neil Armstrong, as his foot comes down, people said, wow, we can see things. You know, you see uh, events. Of course, the famous Zapruder film, uh, horrendous uh, murder of uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy, which was captured on film, also one of the earliest and most famous uh, moments on film. But as as film and video became common, people said, wow, it, as long as you have... video, you can see what happened. You you can see what happened. History can't be hidden anymore. Except as technology has moved along, what we now have is selective editing, and soon it will be completely common, what happens a lot anyway, uh, which is that you'll be able to manipulate video internally within it. You'll be able to add images, take images away, and really manipulate it down to the the granular um, aspects of it. But for now, It's editing. I mean, you'll see some people that when I suspect the high tech and the intelligence community is able to do lots of sort of they call them deep fakes, where you'll have an image of somebody. It'll look so much like the person I I've often heard that there were deep fakes, the use of deep fakes in the fight against uh, some of the Islamic uh, jihadists, uh, whether uh, Osama bin Laden or others. But what we know in this case, what you need to know about the kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi was they, they just selectively edited videos. And presented them. Sometimes they present like twenty seconds during their hearing, and and then that would be it. And they would and then they would draw these massive conclusions, these word salad conclusions off of the selectively edited edited video. In fact, during this the uh, kangaroo court, there were people who were watching who said, "Wait, I know that clip. You not only selectively edit it." edited for time. Like we only want this 10 second snippet. You, you focused in on aspects of it. So in one case, you eliminated this famous Ray Epps character who was all over the, the January 6th uh, efforts, but doesn't seem to have been uh, arrested yet. He's, he may have been questioned. Uh, There's some speculation that he was questioned that he's participating. I don't know, but the selective use of video and the unwillingness to release the full video should be a signal. What you need to know is when you watch somebody who will only let you see a certain aspect of a video, you should say to yourself, they're lying to me. Now, it doesn't mean they're lying to you. They, they may not be, but it means that should be your starting assumption because you really can't work off of uh, a selectively edited video in this, in this environment, in this day and age. And let me be clear, both parties... Both Republican and Democrat parties should be held to this standard. So should the media and the news media can't trust them. So you just have to say to yourself, we're not going to ever let people tell us that um, uh, that this selective piece of video means what they say it means, right? We're not going to allow that because it's too suspect. So what you need to know is when someone presents something to you, like the kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi... And they and they only give you a selective video. You should discount the credibility. Discount the credibility, almost hundred percent. Now they could come back off of it, but if there was a real committee and a, instead of a kangaroo court, you would have had the other members uh, that were in opposition to this, uh, you know, kind of vision, uh, ex, you know, kind of uh, and deception. They would have said, "Let's show the whole video. Let's show the whole two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes." It's one of the reasons why lots of us think that what really needs to happen sooner rather than later is release all the video a- except for any video that would actually be revealing some kind of security thing, like a, a, you know, hiding place or passwords or something other than that. And they can be blacked out, release the video. There's, there's tens of thousands. I think maybe it's 14,000 hours of videos of that day. And the reason they won't is because selective editing is necessary to keep the narrative going. All right. Number two, I, think, I guess I only have two today, two I want to tell you about, what you need to know on the kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi. The second one is this. This isn't about truth. It isn't about an argument. It's not about the Constitution. It's 100% personal. And how do you know? Because featured on the first day of this, the kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi was Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump's daughter, and her husband, Jared Kushner. And in a way that made them look... Um, Against their father and look weak and look uh, messed up. Now, what you have to know about this is that if you're ever a um, candidate for office or in office, that you get used to yourself taking a uh, taking criticism and and taking high levels of scrutiny. It doesn't make it easy when someone writes an article or says something about you when you're the candidate, but you sort of get used to it. And it, it doesn't mean you get uh, to like it. If you like it, you're probably sadistic, but you know, get used to it, and you sort of expect it. It's like when I tell people that there's a a, a a couple of questions I ask a candidate, a person that wants to run for office. Maybe I should ask Alex Newman. Um, the first question is, can you afford to run? Can you afford to run? Meaning, not just can your job afford it, and can you and your family afford it, but can you afford the attention and the scrutiny? You know, I mean, can can you you know can you handle that? Because it, it will come. Alex Newman, I know, and we'll talk to him in a few minutes, they're attacking him because he's taking on an incumbent Republican and they're attacking him. So can you afford for your family and yourself the scrutiny and the attention and the negativity? The second question, by the way, is can you afford to win? Because then you got to serve. And if you're Alex Newman, you got to go to Tallahassee uh, away from your family from the time. And the third question, by the way, it's a three-part question if you ever want to ask people about running for office. The third question is um, can you win? You only get to can you win after you answer the first two. If you, and if any of those questions are no, you, then you should rethink whether you run, right? It's, it doesn't make, doesn't make a lot of sense, if you, especially if you say no to more than one of those questions. But you don't get to question two and three if you get past number one. Anyway, back to my point. What Liz, Ch- what Liz Cheney and what the committee did was make, make life miserable for a family member. And so what I started to say was when you're the person in the public eye, what bothers you the most is when they go after your wife or talk about your kids Or somebody in the fray, you know, takes a photograph of your kids and puts it up on the Internet. You lose your mind. You lose your mind. I mean, again, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, I'm sure, is is more upset about the fact that they went to his home where his daughters and his wife are than about his safety. I think he probably feels like he you know, he's the one in the fray, not them. And so the idea and, and by the way, Chuck Schumer should resign. He should have been res- resigned yesterday or the day before as soon as it came out that Kavanaugh was uh, attempted assassination and, and Chuck Schumer's video where he calls people to come and, uh, and make sure that Kavanaugh pays the price. You'll pay the price. But back to my point, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, they're just messing with Donald Trump. It's personal. It's personal to make people bitter and hateful and disrupt them because I can tell you this. No matter how well your family loves you, no matter how uh, well they understand how corrupt the media is, the cost of being thrust out into this and pitted against each other is high. It's, it's unpleasant. It's really, really not nice. It's so this is a major, major insult and, but it's done on purpose. See, it's not about politics. It's not about the law. It's not, it's personal. They hate Donald Trump. And yesterday they showed they're not going to even try to make a constitutional argument, a policy argument. They're just going to try to destroy Donald Trump. They're just going to try to damage Donald Trump. They they do it over and over again. And he always, you know, handles it himself. But I can tell you, the cost of having your family dragged in is terrible. And to me, the two, what you need to know from the kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi, the two takeaways Is they're clearly lying because they're only showing selected videos, edited videos, selected portions, redacted, not even redacted, just, you know, managed in a way that's a a stagecraft. The ABC producer did his job. And number two, it's personal. It's not about politics, even it's personal. I mean, the personal is politics, I guess, but it's nasty, really evil stuff. That's what my takeaways from the first uh, kangaroo court of Nancy Pelosi hearing. A terrible stuff terrible for America. The good news is I think most Americans look up and say this is terrible stuff this is you know this is a waste of our time we got bigger problems but um, it's ugly it's ugly so all right that's what you need to know. let's uh, take a break. We'll come back and talk with Alex Newman running for office maybe I'll try my questions out on him and we'll also visit with uh, the author Bacha uh, let me get her name right I, I've been butchering it all day Bacha Ungar Sargon her new book uh, about out six months called Bad News back in a moment Ed Martin here on the pro America report talk to you in a moment welcome back welcome back it's ed martin here on the pro america report we've had alex newman on well he's you've been on wearing different hats. I mean, he's got a great book that I always refer to, Crimes of the Educators, that's here on my bookshelf. And he's a great speaker. He's been one of our lead speakers at Eagle Vents. But now he's done what's unthinkable. He's he's really he must think so little of himself. He's decided to become a politician. No, i will never become a politician, but he's running uh, for office. So there's exciting news. Alex Newman, you go to Alex Newman for Florida, the number four, Alex Newman for Florida, the number four dot com. Um and also perhaps especially i know my folks uh, follow me on twitter at eagle ed martin well you can follow him at alex newman underscore j-o-u um this is a guy that's worth he what he does is what he's listening to him is valuable so but now he's a candidate so welcome alex how are you i'm doing great thank you so much for having me ed well so but all kidding aside um what a pain it is to be a candidate i know i've been one and i, I know you're a happy warrior in your life that's kind of your mo but what made you get to the point where you needed to run for office?
2: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this, Ed. And part of it, believe it or not, was Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, you know, I, I knew she ran for office. And, That's and right. uh, you know, th- that was really an encouragement to me that somebody outside the system would be willing to make the sacrifice and throw their hat in the ring. And uh, frankly, I think we need a whole lot more of that in in our country right now. I mean, I, I tell people without trying to be overly dramatic that uh, our nation is in a really troubling time period. And in fact, I think there is so much at stake that if more people don't get involved, if more people don't start running for office, uh, we're going to find that uh, our liberties are going to continue to be eroded. Our prosperity will be uh, continually eroded. And, uh, you know, it is hard work. It's, it's like adding three more full time jobs to what you're doing. Plus, you know, of <laughs> course, the establishment comes after and you get the attacks. But we've got to do it. And so I tell people, if you can't run for office, if you're not willing to do it, at least help somebody go knock on doors, go make phone calls, whatever you can. We've got to get good people into office. And I think the state level is critical right now, Ed, because Congress is the source of so many problems. And I think state governments really can be a source of solutions in terms of standing up to what's going on in Washington D.C. Uh,
1: we're talking to Alex Newman, and he is running now for the uh, uh, Florida State House. If you go to alexnewmanfourflorida dot floridacom the four in that is a uh, number four. So who is the who's the incumbent? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I I'd vote for you. Anything you do, and you're right about Phyllis. By the way, Phyllis Schlafly, she said you you she she ran twice for Congress and lost. <clears throat> she would say she learned more by being a candidate. You learn how the system feels and works although winning would be better i think so but tell me this race florida state rep you there's an incumbent give me the contrast on the issues what's going on
2: absolutely ed and you know i I think phyllis was just ahead of her time uh we are now in a moment where the american people are waking from their slumber they're realizing that people like phyllis schlafly who sounded the alarm for decades for generations were absolutely correct on all these things and uh, so I think today, if we had a free and fair election system, she would have clobbered any opponent that she went against. Uh, and I think we're seeing that in the primaries. Uh, establishment Republicans and rhinos are being absolutely pulverized. Uh, In primary elections and and liberal Democrats, too. So it's encouraging. Now, my opponent is, uh, you know, I don't have anything personal against him, but he voted wrong on some critical issues. He voted for the worst attack on gun rights in our state's history. Uh, He voted for this bill that actually struck uh, really close to home. It was a personal uh, that gave all of our hospitals in Florida immunity from liability. If they would obey the CDC's crazy recommendations, but not if they did what the family, what the doctors and what the patient themselves wanted. And so when my dad ended up in the hospital with COVID, uh, we had to battle it The only option they would give us was what the CDC said, the remdesivir, which I knew to be uh, not a good option, which our family doctor from Harvard knew to be a terrible option. And our doctor prescribed uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these things. The hospital wouldn't let us take it to him. They wouldn't even let us visit. Uh, And so I, I, I blame the legislature for that. Hmm. Um, my opponent also uh, chaired the redistricting commission that would have sent three additional Democrats to Congress. Now, fortunately, our, our governor, Ron DeSantis, vetoed that and drew some new maps that will send four Republicans uh, plus to Congress. So that's uh, very encouraging. And our state Supreme Court now has just upheld that map. So those are just a few of the issues. And all you really have to do to see the difference in the candidates is look at the campaign contributions. My campaign contributions are coming from small grassroots donors, from Republican leaders in the district. His donations are coming from the special interests, from the fake news media. Uh, Disney has been historically one of his biggest donors. Comcast, NBC Universal, the big pharmaceutical companies. Um, and, you know, if frankly, in, in we have a conservative district. I, I think our district deserves conservative representation. And when I try to get a hold of him about these issues and others in the district, too, this is why the grassroots conservative and Republican leaders in our district recruited me to run. Uh, when we would try to get a hold of him to discuss these issues or to discuss our concerns, we'd never hear from him. He'd just show up at election time. So, you know, without trying to smear him in any way, although he's doing that to me right now, he's uh, him and his surrogates are just viciously attacking me. But um, without trying to smear him on a personal level, I think our, our district deserves better. And frankly, I, you know, I think we're in a, a critical moment in our nation's history. I think if, if we don't stand up now, if we don't put a stop to this stuff now, uh, we're going to be explaining to our grandchildren why we didn't do anything to save America at this critical time. And I'm not willing to do that. So uh,
1: Alex Newman for florida.com. You can go there, contribute to him, uh, support him, uh, check out on the issues. I did. I did smile. So happily, uh, Ron Paul uh, endorsed you among others, lots of other people, but I, I'm a big fan. And I worked with Ron Paul when he wrote the introduction to Phyllis Schlafly's um, updated version of A Choice, Not an Echo. And I, he's just an amazing man. So that was very cool. OK, um, you, you might win. I mean, I, I, I assume that the ra- the district leans Republicans. So you might win and have to go serve in the legislature. That might be even harder than um, <laughs> almost anything you've done. Uh, what would you say, you know, your top priorities would be if you thought to yourself, hey, if I get there, I'm going to do this one thing um, or these two things?
2: Well in in Florida, each uh, legislator is allowed to enter each member of the House of Representatives is allowed to introduce five new bills and unlimited repeal bills, so i'm going to be oh. introducing a flood of <laughs> repeal bills there's I bet you so, will that'll be oh there's so much that needs to go and it's unbelievable. but as far as uh, legislation that I plan to introduce, uh, we need to protect our unborn children, uh, regardless of what the Supreme Court does. We need to stop the the mass slaughter of unborn babies in our state. Uh, We need to protect our children from this vile indoctrination. I don't think it's enough to just protect kids up to third grade from a few of the bad things. We have got to put the control back in the hands of parents. Uh, we've got to deal with insurance uh, you know, this, this is a problem that's kind of unique to Florida, but our insurance premiums for our homes are absolutely through the roof. The vast majority of the litigation involving insurance companies is taking place in Florida, even though we're less than 10% of the population, we've got to get that under control and uh, we need to protect medical freedom. We need to make sure that no local state or county government agency or, or mayor or anybody can ever do to us again, what happened during COVID. Now we were very blessed to have a governor that Uh, did the right thing. But uh, at the local level, we had all kinds of problems. And people need to remember, too, DeSantis only won his election by a tiny margin. We almost ended up with a meth smoking communist as our governor, Andrew Gillum. (laughs) So we've got to make sure that never happens again. We need protections in statute. And so those are a few of the ideas that those are going to be some of my top priorities. But uh, we do intend to win and we do intend to make Florida into a fortress of freedom for future generations.
1: We um, do you do you have and you mentioned that your opponent is attacking you? It's a good sign in the sense that if they weren't paying attention, they if they thought they could ignore you, they would ignore you. Um, but tell describe the district to me. I mean, tell our listeners, we got listeners all across the country and and Eagles. And 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 as I often tell people, if you're in California where a lot of our listeners are, sometimes you're in a in an area where you can work for your uh for your values, but sometimes it's it's not hope you know, it's very hopeless and you got to find other places to give and make phone calls and give support. Tell us where in Florida you're district is and give our people a sense of the community there
2: thanks ed yeah I'm, I'm in northeastern uh, north, Eastern, north uh, or east central florida uh just south of saint augustine we are the district represents daytona beach uh, holly hill ormond beach and some of the smaller communities around there uh, it is a very conservative district in the 2020 election it went uh, 10 points plus for donald trump uh we expect the, the next election is going to be an even more massive landslide for republicans and uh, so that's very encouraging. In fact, we, we have a very conservative district. The demographic is um, pretty much you know, older, much more conservative, especially among uh, conservative primary voters, our, our GOP politics here uh, at, at the grassroots level. These people are very conservative. They do love the Constitution. They do want the state to interpose and protect the people of Florida from the out of control administration in Washington, D.C., So uh, what we're finding is that our our campaign is really resonating with the grassroots. Uh, We've got endorsements from all the big uh, Republican clubs in the district and um, yeah, it's true. The opponent is scared. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from Roger Stone and he said, oh, man, the reason they're attacking you is because they know that you can win and they're scared that you're going to do it. So that's a really good sign. You should be encouraged <laughs> that, by that.
1: That is great. That's the best sign of all. And uh, well, good. Well, listen, I I, I joining the chorus of uh, endorsers, uh, uh, endorsers of Alex Newman, Alex Newman for Florida dot com. I I would say more than anything, I agree with you on positions, but your integrity and your leadership and your fearlessness. So uh, we will make sure to uh, promote it and keep us informed. When is the primary?
2: Uh, The primary in Florida will be August 23rd.
1: Okay, so you got a couple more months. All right, keep us in the loop. We'll have you back on again. Thanks for what you're doing.
2: Thank you so much, Ed. Really appreciate it. God bless. All
1: right. God bless you. We'll take a break, everyone. I'll, I'll put it all up on social media. That's a really good man who, uh, if you can help down there in any way you can, I would recommend it because he, he also he's smart in the legislature. He would be just an amazing, uh, amazing leader. So we will uh, take a break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And our next guest, I've been looking forward, I was just telling her off the air for a while to speaking with uh, uh, Bacha Ungar Sargon. She Her book is, we've, had, we've talked about her book before last year, Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. And I was just telling her, I'll admit it on the air, that I have her book next to my chair at home. And this morning when I left the home to come to the office, I looked at the book and I thought, I can't wait to talk to her next week. Then I got to the office and I saw that she's today. So the book is at home, Botcha, but I have read it and dog-eared it and I have lots of things. I'll remember the big thrust of it. So welcome back to the program. How are you?
3: I'm good. Thank you. I always rather somebody leave the book at home than leave it in the office. So, <laughs> Well, there you go. That's that, that's true. And and I should say that's
1: a good point. It made it. I, I got a stack of books here that people send me that I, they never made at home. So you're right. And it's, by the way, published by Encounter Books. They published a lot of great books, Encounter Books, uh, last fall. So... um. I, the reason i wanted to talk to you was i feel like um mo- w- when your book how the woke meat is undermining democracy we're watching the washington post go through this sort of uh dave weigel thing and we've talked a little bit about it on the air but just to shorten it it's you know m- colleagues in a in a newsroom attacking each other over jokes and and woke joke wokes whatever um but more importantly we're watching the effort of the Democrats right now with this Select Committee to try to manage a narrative on january sixth that and and they've got the ABC report uh producer in to do it I, I just wanted to ask you about how how powerful you think and effective you think the the um, media has become at pushing all this stuff because it doesn't feel like it's getting better. It feels like it's getting worse, even though it's getting faster. There's a lot more action. I don't know. What What, what are your thoughts about this moment we're in?
3: I think the January 6th committee um, is such a perfect example of how the media has made itself totally irrelevant. Like they think that this is Watergate, you know, right. But Watergate was average Americans didn't know about it, and it required the actual reporting of the press to tell them that this thing had happened, right. you know. And so um, it, that was a big deal, right? The press was really necessary there um, to inform the American people about an act of, you know, corruption, a cover up, you know, all of this rot at the center that they had no access to on their own. And the January 6th committee is the exact opposite. Like, we all saw what happened on January six right right? it's like there's not a lot left you know you know yes it's it's important to know that the oath keepers you know that maybe you know 20 50 of the people who were arrested actually had plans for something bigger than just trespassing and you know rioting whatever it is yeah sure that's really important but you know most americans saw what happened were horrified by it and moved on with their lives which are difficult enough as it is. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and they're not thinking about this. They're not talking about it. That happened more or less. Most Americans agreed. It was horrible and disgusting and the people should be prosecuted for the crimes they committed, which is, which has happened. Right. right. Because this is a democracy right. that's working, you know, and they've moved on and they are now worried about whether they will be able to afford to drive their children to church on Sunday. Right. Like they're now <laughs> yeah. worried about whether they have enough money to pay for the gas that will require them to drive from one state to another to find baby formula, right? Like Mm -hmm. their their needs right now are enormous and pressing. And the media is now hung up on this January 6th event, hoping that they can force Americans who don't know where their next meal is coming from, right, to care about this essentially luxury obsession of the media, which the media is obsessed with because they do not have the kinds of struggles that most Americans have because they're part of the elites. They're part of the top 10% now. And so they're obsessing over this issue on this like insane belief that they can make America Americans care about something that they can't possibly care about given how much their lives are afflicted with the crime rate you know black children parents don't know can i send my child to school they're going to get shot in the street on the way to school right yep. you know it's like the the amount of problems americans have right now and this january 6th committee is just it's such an example of it's like this and it's like environmental extremism it's like defund the police right it's like forgiving fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt right it tells you so much about who the Democrats are speaking to, like who they see as their base. Right. And it's this like teeny tiny, overeducated, you know, meritocratic elite that that, you know, lives in the coast, lives in these very expensive cities, and just doesn't have to worry about what the vast majority of Americans are worrying about.
1: We're, we're talking again with uh, Abaya Ungar Sargon, and uh, I should have said her credentials before. She's not only been an editor at Newsweek and uh, at Forward. She's written in The New York Times, foreign policy, Ph.D. from uh, Cal Berkeley. So she knows this field. I mean, she's been in this field. And the book is <laughs> Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. Um, OK, except l- let me ask you, um, the, the bigger danger to me in mm-hmm. a funny way is I saw someone do a commentary. I think it was a Substack. I wish I could remember who it was. I'm embarrassed to say I read it. And he compared the response to the actual occupation of the Wisconsin Capitol, I don't know, a decade ago, when they they actually the left actually occupied it because they were upset and they, they maintained the occupation for a week or two. And then the and the and the DC Capitol and with the, the January 6th. And my point is not the the contrast, the uh, the, um, uh, descriptions. It's actually to say when the people look up in this country and see the disconnection, It's actually kind of dangerous in my estimation. They're looking up and they're saying, you know, you people are full of it. Both parties, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a ruling. It's a swamp. They're saying, I can't figure out how to get gas. You know, I I can't figure out how to go on vacation. More importantly, I'm worried about the future. There may be jobs for everyone, but not everybody can wait tables forever. Right. So and I actually think that the you 're You're right that they 're talking to the c n n crowd um, the, you know the select committee and they 're going to congratulate themselves when they see great Twitter traffic around the the, the smoking guns that they offer during these testimonies but i 'm worried about normal people getting more and more disaffected and saying to hell with everybody and and I feel like that 's part of what the bad news is that we're splitting the country. It's not 50-50. It's probably 70-30. The 70 thinks they're full of it. And I'm not sure that the Republicans are ready to lead either. I mean, in, in, in terms of the clarity. I, I don't know. It feels more dangerous than before.
3: I totally agree with you about like the Republicans Sort of falling short of the moment as well. But I don't know that I feel uh, the danger because I spent a lot of time just sort of talking to working class Americans. And, you know, the people who feel like everybody's full of it, they are, they're very demoralized politically. Um, but, but I, but they're, you know, you know, something that I, I keep coming back to is, you know, I, I do think that President Trump did sort of try to, you know, whip up the base to sort of show up and maybe try to stop, you know, literally stop the steal, whatever it was. But only 700 people <laughs> heeded the call, right? Like right. Uh, 70 million Americans, you know, stayed home and said, "Yeah, I voted for him." I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know, maybe there were some irregularities in the in the election, but I don't have the time or the wherewithal or the means or the interest of you know storming the Capitol, right? So, I, I to me, it's like the the there is more violence on on both sides, 100 percent on the left, on the right, on the margins right. um, than there was before. But to me, the the real problem is this: it's that I think that there were, you know, okay, for, for the first time in my life, Americans are getting more conservative. I, I think the left over the last 50 years won a lot of very important civil rights battles, you know, for for black civil rights, gay rights, you know, a lot of these, you know, women's equality, Um, you know, diversity, a lot of these issues were sort of the left, ha- you know, was really on the right side of this and sort of dragged the country to a place that we now are where we really don't have a divide over these issues anymore, right? Uh-huh. You know, 95% of Americans, are okay with interracial marriage now right, you know 70 percent right, right. of americans support gay marriage like those those culture w- cultural battles were won by the left but now they're in this position of like total overreach to where you're racist if you want to live in a colorblind society or you're a bigot if you think there's a difference between men and women so they sort of went they went too far right they instead of admitting that they won all these you know, important battles. They moved the goalposts to this crazy place, and the American people are in a total like, no way. We don't want that. That's nuts. And I think that on a lot of those cultural issues, the Republicans really do speak for most of the country at this point. When it comes to the importance of marriage, when it comes to the importance of the family, the importance of having values of patriotism. You know, the left has really lost most of the, America. But 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 I will say, I'll just I'll end oh, with sorry. this. I think when it comes to economic issues, the Republicans are really falling short because I think for many Americans, many working class and middle class Americans, irrespective of which party they're voting for, I hear this from everybody, like they're struggling economically and they feel that the Republicans with the free market policies that actually President Trump took an axe to, that those policies no longer represent them. Sorry, what were you going to say? No,
1: well, what I was going to say is that So, my listeners will laugh where they're listening. But I I always go back to Eric Hoffer. I don't know if you've ever read Eric Hoffer read a much he wrote a book in the 1950s called True Believers: Reflections on Mass Movements. And what he basically says at a certain point, when the masses are sick of it and they break from what they were told the conventional truth was, and in my mind that is since the since the collapse in 08 till today, the more and more Americans look up and they say, and I, by the way, it doesn't have to be true. They just have to believe that the game is rigged. Mm-hmm, you know the, mm-hmm. the American, dr- the American, the American dream, the American ideal was everybody can make it if they work hard. Yeah. Didn't matter if that wasn't true. It doesn't matter that it's really not true that the game is rigged. I mean, the game is less rigged than America than anywhere in the world. But the growing perception is that the game is rigged over and over. And the danger, from Hoffer's point of view, is people will lurch away from common sense solutions that they need to sort of be presented with to things that are not, you know, that are not positive, that are that are really negative, and they, and they and they're flopping around and i agree with you the left has overshot and they're and people are like wait why why are you making me watch a select committee on something that happened a year and a half ago when i can't figure out how to have a summer vacation right why are you guys both talking about gun control and the second amendment when i have a a kid that is so whacked out on youtube on uh, tiktok and or uh, and and so the disconnect And what happens in that time is you, you, the danger is you lurch towards bad solutions. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm concerned about. I don't know, by the way, I don't know what that is right now. It doesn't feel like there's a fascist on the horizon, but I, I think that people are really, really feeling like the system is rigged.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, although I think that the tightness of the labor market right now has introduced a a tiny bit of optimism, if I may say that. Although, of course, you know, um, the struggle is very real right now. The economies, the inflation is, is a huge drain on the resources of most Americans. Credit card debt is soaring and people, this is not people buying like, you know, electric cars or expensive, you know, expensive items for their homes. It's people trying to like get their kids to church, you know, get their kids to school, like, you know, keep their family afloat. So, you know um i i guess i have more faith in the american people than you you know i'm a real populist at heart and i spend a lot of time in the heartland just talking to people people who are struggling and they do feel that it is rigged but at the same time um you know as soon as you get out of these cities like new york and dc and you you talk to regular americans like they they just want to get by. They just want to live in harmony with their neighbors. Like they, they just want a better life for their children. Um, so I, I guess I'm not seeing the kind of. Yeah. There is anger, but um, it, it doesn't fill me with sort of dread and terror. It fills me fills me with like hope and drive to force people who can make things better to actually do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, last thing because I should have done this more. You and I got off. I, I took us off topic. What is what goes on in the Washington Post's uh, newsroom <laughs> right now? What is that like? <laughs>
3: understand the people who become journalists today are all the like goody two shoes who like never broke a rule in their life and have always been like super rewarded for you know being the kind of the snitch and being they they, they think that's the job you know is to like snitch on people who like make off-color jokes like they don't understand that like their job is to hold the powerful accountable in the name of like the working class right like they think that because they are part of the powerful they go to school with Everybody who becomes politicians and billionaires and Silicon Valley people and all this, it's like they're all, that is their milieu. That is who they're speaking to. And that is, you know, they've totally come up in that same. Context And so, you know, that's what you're seeing now yeah. breaking out is like this kind of goody two-shoes snitch culture has become like, you know, journalism at legacy institutions like the New York Times and the Washington Post and very much by design. The New York Times very much wanted their journalists to become social media stars. And what they did with that power once they had it was they used it to leverage. Like now you'll have New York Times journalists forcing their bosses to fire people that they don't like or they'll make a stink on Twitter. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. absolutely absurd. And you try to I try to explain this to the cops at the bar that I go to, they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> like, how can that be real? But it's yeah. real. It really is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I grew up I grew up reading Pete Hamill, uh, you know, yeah. the, well, some people like that that were clearly not perfect in their lives anyway. OK, yeah. well, thank you uh, very much, as always. Uh, Bacha Ungar Sargon, her book, Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. Thanks for being out there and being such a good voice on this and other stuff. And we'll have you back again.
3: Thanks so much for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you.
1: <laughs> Good to talk to you. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody. And I'll find, uh, I'll put up on social media the um, the links to her book, as well as uh, this interview. And we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: The illegal drugs brought into our country by illegal aliens are enough to kill every single American. These drugs imported by illegal aliens include 634 pounds of lethal fentanyl and 12,500 pounds of life-threatening methamphetamine that were seized in February alone. The monthly seizure at our border of fentanyl exceeded 100 million fatal doses, while far more probably slipped through the border. Wanting illegals as future Democrat voters, President Biden has vastly increased the illegal border crossings by allowing Title 42 restrictions to expire. Title 42 empowers the administration to quickly turn away illegal immigrants. A thousand miles from our southern border, even Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia is shocked, calling this reversal, quote, a frightening decision. Title 42 has been an essential tool in combating the spread of COVID-19 and controlling the influx of migrants at our southern border." End quote. Arizona's Senator Kirsten Cinema went so far as to say regarding President Biden that the decision to announce an end to Title 42, despite not yet having a comprehensive plan ready, shows a lack of understanding about the crisis at our border. Conservatives who spot this obviously bad move by the Biden administration should be prepared for a key leftist talking point. Some will be saying that rolling back Title 42 will actually decrease the overall number of border crossings, but don't miss the fine print by employing Title 42 to rapidly deport illegals, immigration and customs enforcement created a situation where some failed illegals would make repeated attempts to cross the border. Hence, the number of apprehensions would increase, even though the number of aliens was decreasing. The left's solution is to just let every border crosser stay here on the first attempt, thus decreasing the number of repeat crossers. This makes about as much sense as leaving your front door open at night to keep burglars from smashing in a window. Rolling back Title 42 isn't good policy. It's a Democrat recruiting drive disguised as
0: capitulation. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome
1: back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, just got less than a minute to wrap things up, but let me point you towards Father's Day. Father's Day is in a week. Uh, Our great producer, Noah Dingley, one of his favorite things is being a dad. He's got two sons. He's a super guy. And uh, so Father's Day is important to him and me. I've got four kids. Uh, But more importantly, once you're a dad, you start to realize the value of your dad. And so uh, I hope people are getting ready. Next week, we'll have a couple of uh, books that I'll feature. Larry Elder's book about his father, um, Just Like Me, think it's uh what, what it's called it was retitled when they went paperback and also a book called fool's errand by jeffrey stevens so looking forward to father's day have a great weekend everybody it's not this weekend if you're listening now it's not this weekend don't panic uh father's day is next weekend uh but we're looking forward to it have a great weekend everybody hope everybody has a uh, wonderful time and uh, we'll be back next week it's ed martin here on the pro america report i'll talk to you next week